Section 27 of The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. The History of Minnesota and Tales of the Frontier, Part 2, by Charles E. Flandrau. Section 27 a momentous meeting the people of st paul have often been proud of a remark which was made by hon william h seward in a speech delivered by him in eighteen sixty at the old capitol on wabasha street where he said he believed that the centre of power on the north american continent would be very near the spot where he stood everybody while they liked the prediction looked upon it as a pleasant way the speaker had of giving his hosts and st paul a little taffy and nothing more such however was not the case and mr seward when he uttered the prophecy was thoroughly impressed with the truth of what he said as i will prove further on this speech was delivered on the eighteenth of september eighteen sixty if i remember correctly mr seward was on an electioneering tour in support of lincoln's candidacy for the presidency and that hon james w nay of new york afterwards governor of nevada was of the party but i am not very sure of these facts and they are not at all material to the point i am about to make mr seward stayed at the merchant's hotel at the foot of jackson street kept by our well-known host colonel allen while he remained in st paul many of the older settlers will remember james w taylor of st paul who for many years represented the United States as consul at Winnipeg. Mr. Taylor was the most popular man in that city. He was not only esteemed for his superior ability as an official, but was beloved by all classes of the people for his gentle and genial manners. He was a great friend of Bishop Anderson of Rupert's Land, who for twenty years had performed the duties of missionary bishop of that faraway country he had travelled the mackenzie river to its mouth in the arctic ocean he had been all over alaska up and down the yukon and in fact knew more about the vast country that lies north and northwest of the united states than any living man at the date we are speaking of it so happened that the bishop and consul taylor were on a visit to st paul at the time of the arrival of mr seward and were also guests at the merchant's hotel they, of course, called on the distinguished American, Mr. Seward, who became deeply interested in the conversation of the bishop about his travels through this vast upper region, and was so impressed with the immensity and future possibilities of the country that he forgot all about his appointment to speak at the capital, and kept his audience waiting for nearly an hour before he could tear himself away from the fascination of the bishop's conversation. The topic Mr. Seward had selected for his speech was one in which he was profoundly interested. It was the duty, responsibility, and future power of the Northwest, which was a magnificent subject for discussion by such a thoughtful statesman. Before meeting Bishop Anderson, Mr. Seward had conceived certain theories on the question, as the quotation which I shall make from his speech clearly establishes and that these preconceived ideas had been, by his intercourse with the bishop, 
radically changed, if not thoroughly overthrown, seems equally clear. It must be remembered that in 1860 very little was known about Alaska and the British possessions in the far northern regions, and it is quite possible that even a man of Mr. Seward's learning may not have included them in his calculations for the future. Of course, what he said about his preconceived conclusions and the subsequent changes made in them involved the fact of the absorption into the United States of the whole continent, which in all probability will happen at some future time. When Mr. Seward arrived at the Capitol, he was introduced by John W. North, and among other things said, In other days, studying what might perhaps have seemed to others a visionary subject, I have cast about for the future, the ultimate central power of the North American people. I have looked at Quebec and New Orleans, at Washington and at San Francisco, at Cincinnati and St. Louis, and it has been the result of my last conjecture that the seat of power of North America would yet be found in the Valley of Mexico, that the glories of the Aztec capital would be renewed, and that city would become ultimately the capital of the United States of America but I have corrected that view, and I now believe that the last seat of power on this great continent will be found somewhere within a radius of not very far from the very spot where I now stand, at the head of navigation on the Mississippi River and on the great Mediterranean lakes. When and where had this correction been made? Doubtless an hour before at the Merchant's Hotel, through the influence of the interview with Bishop Anderson. While at the Capitol, they visited the rooms of the Historical Society, where the bishop made a short address to Mr. Seward, to which Mr. Seward responded. Now, all this might have happened and been of no particular interest to the world, except as a pleasant episode between two distinguished men. But in this instance, it turned out to be of vital importance to three of the greatest nations of the world. Mr. Seward was so deeply impressed with the St. Paul incident that immediately after his return to Washington, he opened negotiations with the Russian government for the purchase of Alaska and persistently carried them on until he succeeded in acquiring that vast empire for a mere bagatelle of seven or eight millions of dollars. This remarkable provision of Mr. Seward has stamped its effect on our present and future destiny and relations with England, Canada, Russia, and perhaps all the nations of the Orient. Had not Mr. Seward visited St. Paul on that exact day, would this great change have been made in the map of North America? It certainly would not after the discovery of gold in Alaska. So I claim that Minnesota played an all-important role in the purchase of Alaska. Having spoken of my dear old friend James W. Taylor, I cannot omit to mention a most touching tribute paid to his memory by the people of Winnipeg. The municipality has placed upon the walls of its city hall a fine portrait of the faithful consul, under which hangs a basket for the reception of flowers. Every spring, each farmer entering the city plucks a wildflower and puts it in the basket. The great love of a people could not be expressed in a more beautiful and pathetic manner and no man was more worthy of it than Consul Taylor. End of section 27